Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Friends, uh, I'm speaking to you now from a beautiful Saturday evening. I'm here in Southern Oregon, watching the sunset over Roseburg uh, on a, a cool evening. It's the feast of St. Mark the Evangelist, one of, uh, one of my favorite saints. Of course, my name saint, St. Matthew, is uh, he's a good friend of his. And uh, so I'm sure today, as I'm invoking St. Mark's intercession all the time, that uh, he's happy to hear my prayers, because I so often ask for the intercession of his good friend, St. Matthew. But I'm very excited to be here tonight with a good friend of mine, who many of you know, whether in person or perhaps from a prior episode we recorded together. That episode was, I think, a year ago, maybe two years ago now. Yeah. Theology at Tea Time. And uh, so I'm happy to introduce you all again to my friend, Lisa Hesmohalch. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we are both here drinking delicious warm beverages, aren't we? Yes, although not together. Not I mean, together. physically together. We're really doing great at social distancing tonight. We, we are rocking the social distance. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about, I don't know, what, 200 miles? Yeah, something like that. I'm, I'm currently in Lake Oswego. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. And I am enjoying this delicious cocoa. Yes, and I'm having a peppermint tea. Mm. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Well, Lisa, we were talking the other day about um, the topic that we would like to discuss here together. And yes. I think we both decided, you know, I was kind of banding around some of my usual weekly ideas, like the Shakespeare segment and some theology ideas. And um, we, what we came down to was actually to do more of a, a special episode, right? Not really following mm-hmm. the usual segments, but something that, that we thought would be useful for people during this time of uh, social distancing and yeah. pandemic measures and quarantine. Um, and I think you said that this idea actually was kind of coming to you from observing h- how some of your friends were struggling to cope with the social distancing measures. Is that right? Yeah. Um especially in the beginning, um, as this whole pandemic started um kind of erupting all over the United States. Uh and specifically when uh church doors started closing, um masses started uh mm-hmm. public masses were canceled and uh, a lot of my friends, uh, not just in Oregon, but I, I was talking to a friend in Colorado and friends in California, yeah. and all of us were just struggling with uh, what to do when the thing we are used to doing is taken from us. Mm. Uh, you know, going to daily mass, going to stations of the cross, going to adoration, uh, and in some cases, even being able to go to confession. Um, what does life look like? as a faithful Catholic, when uh, some of your regular things are taken away. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is, I think it is very difficult for Catholics in a certain way. I mean, it's, it's difficult for all of us uh, mm-hmm. not to take away from that. But, you know, I mean, as Catholics, we're really used to, I mean, we live a sacramental life and we, yes. live, a, uh, our, our, we live a religion that's very tactile. You know, our God... Uh, gives us the great blessing of coming down to be with us under the sacramental forms of bread and wine. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're used to receiving these gifts and to, you know, coming together to, to pray together uh, with our bodies, with our voices. I mean, our worship mm-hmm. is very tactile. 
And uh, so I, I think it is especially difficult for Catholics when all, and all these things are taken away so suddenly. Yes. Um, you know, kind of, I don't know. I mean, in my case, it, it kind of happened overnight. And I, I think it happened for most of us very quickly. We finally mm-hmm. had time to prepare. Yes. Uh, I, I had actually gone to my, my typical Monday morning mass. Uh-huh. And that evening, um, uh, we got the announcement that all public masses would be canceled. Yeah. And I thought, I, I didn't know that I just went to my last mass. <laughs> I had I just I just went to my typical Monday morning mass. That's all. Yeah. Something about this is is really making me reflect on you know uh, the Lord's words. Um, it's about the parable of the the thief who comes in the night and mm. to the the second coming of the Lord. And you know he says to the apostles, even the Son of God does not know the day nor the hour, but that day yes. will come upon you like a thief in the night. And of course, yes. then we have the parable of the the wise and the foolish virgins and the, the virgins who are prepared for the bridegroom to come and have their lamps trimmed and those who have no oil. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this will be relevant in the conversation we're about to have or not, but I'm just <laughs> thinking about, uh, you know, I mean, maybe maybe those who are um, who are not just kind of going through the motions of living a Catholic life, but those who mm-hmm. are really interiorly like appropriating the graces god is giving them i mean part, part you know part c.s lewis says the christian life is a preparation for a christian death you know and in a certain way living our normal sacramental lives it should be a preparation for you know even a, a crisis like this uh we're, we're always kind of waiting for the coming of the lord and yeah i don't know hmm I'm just thinking, yeah. I'm just thinking oh, about the nature, of, the nature of surprise and something that takes us by surprise. And uh, how are we prepared to meet something unexpected when it comes? You know, because the Lord's always giving us these graces. And so mm-hmm. we might be caught off guard uh, on, a, on a conscious level. But I don't know. I think, I think it's easy as humans for us to get up, caught off guard, especially when something we're, we're used to doing is habitual. Yeah. Because, and I think that's, you know, in the midst of the trauma of this pandemic and kind of the fear that it's spreading and the anxiety it's spreading, the uncertainty, uh, it, there's a tiny little practical thing that actually is really bothering us all right now. And so I, I think that's kind of what we can address the spiritual side of. And that is, um, as humans, we thrive on habits mm. and routine. And uh, very few people in America can say that they've made it the last six weeks holding on to the same routine they had before yeah, absolutely. everything started changing. All, all of us have different routines now. And setting up a new routine is exhausting. Setting up a new work routine is exhausting. Oh, yeah. and, and I've had to do that. And you, you're doing school yeah. and not at school anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, all, having to Having to set these new routines are exhausting. So when you throw in the fact that maybe you had a spiritual routine and now that routine is gone. So trying to adapt and not uh, become or not despair. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we all despaired and it's okay to (laughs) grieve and despair. I I cried. I actually cried 
five days straight, like not, you know, I, I had normal moments where I wasn't crying, but for five days straight at some point, every single day I cried because of the loss of mass that first week. It was, uh, it was just devastating for me to be able to wrap my mind around. Every time I watched an online mass, I would cry still every time I watch an online mass, I cry, um, because I hate that I'm not there. Um, so grief, grief in the midst of this is normal (laughs) and good and healthy, but how, how do we move forward, um, and set up a new routine, um, and a new, uh, horarium? Is that the word for it? Yeah. Horarium. Yeah. Like monks would have in a monastery, right? A kind of a rule of life or, Mm -hmm. or as an old spiritual director I had used to say a plan of God's love, which I just like. Yeah, that's cool. No, I'm grateful to you for saying that, especially about grieving and Mm. and um, looking on that grieving in a, I mean, in in a way as a as a positive thing, as a healthy thing, um, and as something that we need to go through as human beings because our routines have been disrupted. I mean, that's Mm. all very true. I've experienced that as well in the weeks you know since having to leave seminary. I cried, you know, when I learned that St. Patrick's was going to close which yeah. happened to be on St. Patrick's Day, which was like at the height <laughs> of divine irony. The, the, it really the, is, yeah. The last Mass we had as a community was St. Patrick's Day Festival Mass, you know. How funny. It was, uh, and it was supposed to be this big Mass with Archbishop Cordelioni of San Francisco. Mm. It was the very day, I mean, that day San Mateo County issued their, their original lockdown order, whatever that was, shelter in place or something. Yeah. But it was the first one. So that was all like shaken out that day and he couldn't come. And so we had this huge mass planned with all these, anyway, intricate things. And it ended up being just a very small, low mass. And we were all like shell-shocked. Like, what is going on? Mm. And then we had this kind of big banquet planned afterwards. And everyone was in kind of a, I don't know, grim, blank-eyed mood. Like, (laughs) yeah, know what was going to come next. Right. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, yeah, and then uh, just on a personal note, I mean, these weeks that I've been spending at home, I feel like I've been struggling a lot like, against the temptation to despair because mm-hmm. um, that's something that, that, the, that the enemy would love for us to fall into right now. And we're very yeah. susceptible to because not only are our routines disrupted, but also we're cut off from the reality of the, the sacramental grace, which the church wants mm-hmm. to give to us. Not to downplay yes. the value of spiritual communions, um, which, as we know, are, are, are a real avenue of grace and a way to be connected mm-hmm. to the Lord and receive his love and his divine life. Um, but, you know, the Lord, the Lord wills for us to work through the sacramental system. That's what we're used to. And that's how we normally receive grace and we're united to him. And we're cut yes. off from that. We're cut off from one another um, in a very real way. We're cut off from our priests. And so... Mm-hmm. We're, we're just very susceptible. And so I think that'll be something good for us to discuss is just how are we coping with the temptations to despair and, and what are some good mm-hmm. ways to, um, to remain connected to the life of grace, to the life of the church, even when we can't go to our churches. Yes. Yeah. And it's been interesting talking to a lot of my friends about um, kind of the different ways that we're learning to adapt to to this um to fight the the desire to despair so my the first idea the first the first conversation i had that got me thinking about 
this concept of, I love the way you summarized it when we were texting mm -hmm. about this, um, how to be the church when churches are closed. Yeah. Um, and it came during Holy Week. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who uh, is a faithful Catholic who just uh, moved to Colorado maybe uh, a month, month and a half before um, this all went okay. down. And so she had just been able to find a, a faithful parish in the area, start to get plugged in, and then everything shuts down. Yeah. And and so she's in this new place. She has no community. She's living with family, which is good, but um, uh, no Catholic community. And so as we were entering to Holy Week, she reached out to me and uh, was just like, she, she was honest. She said, I'm fighting the temptation to despair right now. Um, I, I, I've been watching, she, she'd been watching Father Boyle, um, his, uh, streaming masses, mm -hmm. um, praise God for Father Boyle. Yes, amen. <laughs> his daily masses are very great. Uh, and so she'd been watching those and she just said, I'm still struggling with the Triduum, with Easter. How do I celebrate it? And so, uh, I, I thought, gosh, I'm. I'm in the same boat. And so I was thinking, well, sometimes it's easier to give advice to a friend than it is to yourself. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it's very, it was very timely that she's asking me this because I thought, well, maybe if I tell her something, it'll help me figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I told her, I said, come up with a schedule for how you can make each day special. And it sounded like in, in listening to your podcast, you did very much the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh yeah that that conversation got me started on this just thinking through you know what what does it look like when all these uh pre-established ways of uh connecting with the lord and receiving his graces wh what does it look like when those have been taken away and how do we continue to enter into that relationship with him um especially when as lay people um a lot of lay people aren't used to doing the liturgy of the hours yes. um, and all these other things that, you know, you as a seminarian have a little bit more built into your life. Um, lay people, uh, the really, in, you know, on fire ones, get it in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about pretty much everyone else. I I try. I I'm always excited if I can do vespers every night in a week, uh -huh. and I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what a good week! <laughs> and then I'll go months and be like, oh yeah, where's my liturgy of the hours? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so for the rest of us, like, how how do we how do we still honor God on Sunday? You know, yeah, we, we're we're not required to go to mass, but how do we still do that? Yeah, no, this is good. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, if, if you listen to my podcast about Holy Week, then you have an idea mm -hmm. of what I was doing. I mean, I was very much just leaning hard on the church's traditions, on our liturgical traditions, mm -hmm. how to honor mm -hmm. the days of the Triduum, you know, as yeah. best as I can. I mean, I'm not a cleric. I can't celebrate masses, obviously, but I was, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, here with my family, we sang, I sang the Exultet. I mean, we sang St. John's Passion, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so we're doing these kinds of things. and. And you're right. Although I haven't had the mass, I've been I've been leaning hard on the divine office. Um, mm -hmm. pr so praying on behalf of the church, following the church's traditions. Um, one thing that I've been doing while live streaming masses is trying to sing the propers of the mass because one of the things that that um, 
you know, really helps me to enter into prayer and into recollection is sacred music. And especially mm. singing, you know, the uh, the ordinary parts of the Mass, like the Kyrie and the Sanctus that I, that I yeah. know well um, from times when we'd sing it in community. So the the Mass of Easter time, I've been, you know, I've been live streaming these Masses like you with Father Boyle, but you know, mm-hmm. they're low Masses, but then on my own, I'm singing <laughs> the properties of the Mass in my, <laughs> in my home. And that's helping me, you know, to really um, be recollected and treat that time yeah. not i'm not just sitting here watching a, a video but i'm actually mm-hmm. you know entering into prayer and entering into worship yeah but i, I wonder I, I haven't heard so much from you about like how you practically honored those days of the trigium and what did you do to keep those days holy yeah well um i'm glad i did something so that i can talk about uh-huh. it <laughs> <the podcast. laughs> i was thinking oh it would have been awkward if i was like oh, I yeah. um no, after after I talked to this friend of mine, I thought, okay, uh, I actually, uh, I was in the middle of writing a letter to a friend of ours down in um, Camarillo, California, uh-huh. um, Eric yeah. Ferris, seminarian with Monterey. And um, I thought, okay, I need to put pen to paper. And if I write in this letter what I'm doing for Holy Week, I'm, I'm committing mm. to it. So in a weird way, it was like I was accountable to him, even though he didn't get the letter for a few days. Um, in fact, he probably didn't get it until like Good Friday or something. <laughs> so, uh, on Holy Thursday, uh, something that was always really important to me during Holy Week was the altar of repose. Oh, yeah. And, um, I feel like I'm going to get emotional just thinking about Holy Week. Um, so I, I went ahead and watched, um, the St. Stephen's in Portland, Oregon live mm-hmm. stream of Holy Thursday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's my home parish. And uh, pretty much cried through the whole thing because um, I, I was just so sad to not yeah. be there. And I feel like Holy Thursday is such a beautiful, um, beautiful mass, a beautiful liturgy. And um, and it was beautiful. The camera, the camera focused on all the things that I was hoping it would focus mm. on, <laughs> um, including the stripping of the altar. Yeah. And then it ended on the altar of repose and ugh, my heart was just so happy. But what I, what I had planned to do before, um, before entering into that mass is I decided that when it was over, I was going to sit outside, um, with a candle that actually is a leftover, um, candle from, uh, the altar, um, at St. Stephen's. I have a bunch of little like altar nub candles. And so, um, so it's a holy candle. I actually had Father Anderson um, bless this box of candles I had um, as things were shutting down. Um, so I have this little box of blessed candles. So I lit one, and uh, and I decided to just sit outside um, as though I were in the garden with Christ. Um, and that candle would represent uh, Christ, and I would be keeping watch with him. And, and it's funny, uh, I was, I realized the next day that I was actually physically facing the closest Catholic church to me. Perfect. Um, yeah. And then you talked about that Mm -hmm. in your podcast and I went, Oh, I did that. And I didn't even realize I was doing (laughs) it, but I look, I I figured it out later and I was like, Oh, Our Lady of the Lake is directly, um, West from here. (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, I was, I was facing the church and I didn't, anyway. Um, so that was beautiful. And also, uh, 
providence, uh, God's providence made it so that I had been reading this book on Mary Magdalene at the time, mm. and it kind of went through the entire journey of her life. And uh, the last three chapters of the book were focused on her experience of the passion of Christ. And so I happened to like bring it to read during my holy, you know, my, my altar mm-hmm. of repose. And I opened it up and it was talking about um, her anointing Christ and where she likely was um, during uh, the last supper and how she was probably with Mary mm-hmm. um, and all this kind of stuff. And just, uh, and the author kind of goes through Christ's passion but then interlaying it with her experience and uh, her involvement. And so um, that book ended up being part of my uh, triduum. I felt like I was walking through the passion of Christ with Mary Magdalene. And so, and I didn't plan that. I just, it kind of happened to work out that week. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you. Like Mary Magdalene is close to my heart. I often feel a kindred spirit with her. So I'm, so excited to get to walk through Holy Week with Mary Magdalene. Um, so, uh, Good Friday, I, um, let's see. I I read the next chapter in that book, and I watched the, um, uh, the Good Friday service at St. Stephen's at 3 o'clock. And <laughs> I wanted to have um, a day of mm-hmm. silence because I visited a convent once and they um, required a day of silence up until three o'clock. But I am currently living this. I don't know if you know this, but I'm currently living with um, uh, my priest's mother. Oh, Um, (laughs) I didn't realize that. No, that's great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So father Anderson's Uh mom, um, Sharon, and uh, I didn't, we didn't want her to be alone during this yeah. time. So I moved oh, in um, about four weeks ago, actually. And um, so I thought that might be a little difficult to ignore her all mm-hmm. day. Um, but it was kind of cool as I was wrestling through that and just thinking like, Lord, I wish I could be more devout and, and, you know, and penitential on this day and, and be in silence. I felt like he was saying, um, I want you to be with me and uh, by being with Sharon, who in this case is the least of these, you are being with yeah. me. So, so don't shut her out, but be with her. And, uh, and it helped also that at one point, Sharon and I were watching one of the uh, online masses for St. Stephen's cause that's her son serving mass. And um, she said, as we sat there watching, she said, sometimes I feel like I'm Mary at the foot of the cross. And I just thought, well, this is great because I feel like I'm Mary Magdalene right now. So the two Marys are just going through Holy Week together. (laughs) And, um, Mm. and so I found that on Friday and even Saturday, um, I became a lot more focused on loving her well um, because I could see both Mary and Christ in her. Um, and so it became this very tangible, uh, Holy week, this very tangible triduum where, um, I, yeah, I, I, it was the most, 
It was the most physically participant I ever felt mm-hmm. in the passion, if that Absolutely, makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was my triduum. That was that was my holy week. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing about your experiences yeah. that week. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really touched by that last thing you said about. Or I, I didn't realize that you were there living with Father Andrew's mom. That's, yeah, she she says hi. By the way, <laughs> tell her I say hi too. I love her. She's a I wonderful will. woman. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and she she really does embody so many of the virtues of Mary. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, you. I think you mentioned about discerning sort of the Lord was calling to you. I think right on Good Friday when you wanted to have this day of silence and he was saying, no, uh, you know, the the way that I'm calling you to be present and to observe this day, to be present to me is by being with her. And yes. I'm, I'm reminded, I've been reflecting a lot on these words of St. Mother Teresa. I'm sure that, you know, um, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family, you know? Mm. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, for, for most of us right now, if we're home anyway, um, that's that's about all we can do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to love God as best we can in our prayer, but how can we love God during this time? Well, really, I mean, all we can do is love our families, the ones we're living with. Mm-hmm. We're kind of uh, all um, we're kind of all experiencing this, like being called into living a, a hidden life, uh, just with kind of our loved ones or those who we happen to be living with. You know, so our, I guess, I just our sphere of of contacts of influence is all really reduced. It's very um, kind of tightly focused on just a couple of people, and so yeah. I, I anyway, I've been experiencing that call from the Lord as well towards my mom, who I'm here with right now, mm. who I don't usually get to spend a lot of time with, and I've been here with her now for about five weeks or six weeks um, since mm-hmm. this pandemic began, and so yeah. I was going through a very similar experience during the triduum where. My uh, preference is to spend, you know, I mean, I've spent the whole triduum before on a silent retreat. Um, other times I've been serving in parishes where it's a bit busier, but I'm always trying to, you know, as much as I can, spend time in silence, spend time in recollection, trying to get away. And, um, <laughs> you know, here in the home, there's not a lot of opportunity to get away into silence or into recollection. Um, but it's beautiful that you that you are discerning in that this call from the Lord to love him precisely in loving Mrs. Anderson and sharing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in that way, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of it from the perspective of St. John at the foot of the cross, comforting Mary, mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene too. I mean, present there yeah. with Our Lady of Sorrows, was watching the crucifixion of her son. And how are we going to, you know, console Jesus in this moment? How are we going to be present to him? Like being present to his mother. I mean, he's up there on the cross above us. He's like on a different plane. Mm-hmm. Okay. But <laughs> like literally. <laughs> yeah, but literally. Mary is here with us and she's weeping, you know? And so what can we do? We can comfort her. We can take her in our arms. The Lord's entrusting her to us. He's giving her to us. And it's, it's beautiful to reflect on our families in that way too. Um, mm-hmm. The Lord is giving them to us and us to them. You know, like like Mary to John and John to Mary, and to comfort mm-hmm. one another and to each be kind of a, a living icon of His love uh, to one another. Hmm. Yeah, that's totally it. I, there's been a couple times. So, um, uh, Father Anderson at Saint Stephen's has been 
uh, opening up the church every day for mm, prayer. Good. And um, for usually about two or three hours uh, in the evenings or in the morning, he posts it on the website and on Facebook. And uh, so every week I kind of look over the schedule and I think, okay, when can yeah. I get there? When like, like I want to, I just want to be there every day. Like I I've, I've told several people during this, if I could somehow sleep in the basement <laughs> of the church, I would like, that's where I want to be. I want to be in quarantine at mm-hmm. St. Stephen's. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, and there was even a couple evenings this last week where I was like, okay, I think if I, you know, cause I'm working from home mm-hmm. as well. Maybe if I get off work at this time and I can go over there and I again would feel that check in my spirit. Um, Lisa, instead of being with me present in the Eucharist, be with mm-hmm. Sharon. And in do- in so doing, you will be with me. And so it's just been this very interesting um, shift as I'm learning to um, see Christ in those around me um, instead of just seeing him in the Blessed Sacrament. If that makes sense. Kind of like what you were talking uh, last weekend about the mm, way of glory. I was just thinking about that again. <laughs> ah, perfect, perfect. I'm glad you brought it up so now I don't have to go back and find the quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I only just finished that. I've been uh, finishing that episode all oh, week great. long. Yeah. I like listen for 10 minutes and then go back to it. So just today I went to the grocery store and I was like, oh, perfect, I'm driving. I can finish this episode finally. <laughs> Since I'm recording one with him tonight, it might nice. be good to catch up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that, that that weight of glory coat is perfect for trying to figure out how to love our family in yeah. the midst of quarantine. Because like you said, we're all a lot closer with either our family or our roommates or people we just find ourselves with four weeks ago. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so how do we remember on a daily basis that they bear the weight of glory, that they are an eternal son and daughter of our heavenly father <sighs> and love them accordingly. Yeah. You know, it's hard. And I think, um, yes, yes, it is. We have to be patient with ourselves the way that the Lord is patient with us, you know, and not, and not expect perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because that can be a real temptation to despair. Uh, if we expect ourselves to be perfect and we find we don't measure up, you know, and we notice in ourselves, okay, I'm not loving as well as I should. That can be an mm-hmm. invitation in order to, you know, to, to, you know, uh, recognize my own weakness and to entrust myself to the Lord all the more um, deeply and say, God, I, I, I'm, I need you to love my family through me. I need you to, to love them um, in me, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm, you know, Lord, how broken my heart is and I'm not capable of loving them the way I know I ought to. But if we're not careful, it can be an invitation to despair and to say, well, you know, this just isn't working. I need to find a way out of here. I need to escape from this situation somehow because I'm, I can't love in these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I love you. I think you drew this connection and correct me if I'm wrong, between the blessed sacrament, because you have this desire in your heart to go and be with Jesus at St. Stephen's in the Eucharist. Yes. It was a sacrament, but also like sharing as a kind of sacrament of God's presence. Is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at? Yes. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what I was getting at. I, I, I just think there's something 
there's really something there and it's something maybe it's something that we as catholics have kind of neglected for a while i don't want to um you know paint with a broad brush here but i i wonder yeah. because we have such a gift of the lord's presence in the eucharist now no, of course there was that recent survey right that said 70 percent of catholics don't even believe in the eucharist so maybe I this know. is not really a widespread thing but <laughs> i just or it should yeah be. yeah <laughs> i i just wonder if you know we're so used to the gift of the lord's real presence in his body and blood and soul and divinity that maybe we neglect also the gift that i mean you know every one of us as the lord gives himself to us in the gift of communion even even now spiritual yes. communion we are tabernacles of the most high and as saint paul says we're temples of mm -hmm. the holy spirit and so yep interacting with one another we we are i mean we're interacting with others who are ambassadors of god <laughs> you know ministers right. of glory who in that beautiful quote by c.s lewis i can't quite track down but he speaks about how mm -hmm. these people we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis will become more glorious than the angels so glorious that if we saw them now as they one day will be we would be tempted to worship them you know to yes. inspire this attitude of reverence in us toward one another and so, yeah, I don't know. How, how has that been going for you? I mean, in your, in your life there uh, with Sharon, who yeah. is, I mean, she is a living saint, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. She is. And in all honesty, um, there are moments where I'm humbled and I think, um, I won't say her age, of course, yeah. because I'm polite. Um, but I just think to myself, God, I hope that I am as pleasant mm. of a human being when I mm -hmm. am her age. Um, because she truly is pleasant and she's very, uh, gracious and patient. Um, anyway, I don't need to go on about <laughs> how great Sharon is, but, um, but she's also a human being yeah. and, um, this is her house and her space. And, um, though I'm not a total stranger, um, I have mm -hmm. suddenly come mm -hmm. and lived with her. <laughs> <laughs> I have moved yep. into her world. Um, and uh and so that that puts two such yep. human beings in um close proximity and uh praise the lord we re i'm not even exaggerating we get along very well um but i have noticed it's been very refining for me um i'll notice i respond in certain ways and then think well, why am i mm -hmm. responding that way like why why do i feel the need mm -hmm. to say something right now or why why do I want to do it this way? Do I need to do it this way? Um, why not just do it Sharon's way? Because mm. I, you know, maybe like everyone, I have my little ways. I like cool. doing things. Yeah. Um, my my routine has been upset, and I want to hold uh -huh. on to some routines. And um, the Lord is using Sharon to refine me and say, just let go of everything, Lisa. Just, <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> Why do you try and why do you try and do things a certain way? Just like it must be exhausting, um, kicking against the goad. Isn't that what he says to Saint Paul? <laughs> Something like that. Yes. Just stop. <laughs> and that feels that feels a little bit like it. Like I have I have learned mm. to let go so much in the last four weeks. I've also been reminded that sometimes um, we need mm -hmm. breaks from each other. Um, sometimes she has she lives in a beautiful apartment uh area um pretty close to um is that the willamette river um yes i think so um that runs through lake oswego 
Uh, and so, you know, going out for a walk and just taking a break um, and giving her her space because uh, it must be difficult to yeah. have your own routine yeah. and then have somebody all of a sudden exist yeah. in it. So um, kind of uh, that's what's been beautiful about it is just learning more about myself and learning uh, about ways that I can grow and, and allowing the Lord to use this situation to refine me instead of, again, that, that temptation to despair. Um, and even, uh, oh, mm. okay, not to get off on a tangent. I just remembered something. So I'm, I, what I'm doing is I'm learning to love Sharon well. And uh, that reminded me of what you talked about last week um, from Alice oh, Von, uh, Von Balthazar, yeah. is it? Von All Hildebrand. Okay. I get them mixed up. <laughs> All these journeys. The Vons. Uh, Von Hildebrand. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and how, I don't know if you have this experience. I don't know how many mm. people you see outside of your mom right now. Oh. But um, uh -huh. I'm a hugger. And... <laughs> and I am I am being told by the yeah, entire world yeah. to not no, touch I know anybody. What you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and so thankfully, like the first couple days I was here, Sharon was like, Oh, we're not supposed to hug. And I was like, Sharon, we live together, we can hug. And she was like, Oh, oh you could just beautiful. see this like sigh of relief. And yeah. so I try and like hug her and like, you know, rub her shoulders, whatever I can, and just um, because mm -hmm. I'm like, Sharon, we are all we've got right now. <laughs> But um, but I was reflecting on uh, this whole situation of being unable to hug each other and realizing it's exactly what you were talking about or, you know, Alice mm -hmm. was talking about, Dr. Von Hildebrand, um, uh, about this idea of um, yes, exactly. benevolent yeah. love, was it? Benevolent mm -hmm. love and then love of unity and how... In, in a sense, right now, we're being forced into mm. benevolent love yes. um, uh, as, as, a, as a whole in society. Because what we really want to do is uh, be unified. We want to be with the people we love. We want to we go out and visit with our friends. We want to be able to uh. you know, go to work and live normal lives. But uh, for the sake of others, out of benevolence we're holding back from what wow, we want. Wow, that's a great insight. I'm really grateful anyway. to you for, for sharing that. I hadn't thought about it along those lines at all. Yeah, yeah. well, it struck me because I was listening to your podcast on the way uh -huh. to the store <laughs> where I was going to have to put on a mask and not touch anybody. <laughs> and <laughs> and I drove, I drove mm. by my um, goddaughter's house who I haven't been able to hug for four weeks and it rips me up inside. I hate it. Cause she even will like, will visit, you know, with our social distancing and she'll wander up to me and throw her arms up and go hug. And I kind of turn it into a game of tag and run away. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Because she doesn't understand that she can't hug me, but out of benevolence, I, I love, Yeah. I, I want to do what's best for her and not what I want, which is just to scoop her up in my arms and. And, um, to mirror that onto the, the plane of the church too. I mean, our desire is to go and be with Jesus in the Blessed yes. Sacrament. That's that's the intention of union. But the intention of benevolence has to take yes. the priority, you know? 
and our love for our Lord, mm-hmm. our, which encompasses our desire for union, also includes our love for all the members of his body. And so we can't willingly go and place ourselves yes. in a situation where we're endangering our, you know, our brothers and sisters just to fulfill the desire for union. And that's not, well, that's not ultimately authentic right. love. That's selfishness. It totally is. And um, it, uh, oh boy, it puts God in mm. a box when we assume that the only way he can truly interact with us is right. by going to right. church or going to mass. I, I, I mean, our conversation here alone about Holy Week has shown that yes. he met us in powerful uh-huh. ways when it, <laughs> uh-huh. it was the most unusual Holy Week of our lives. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think that's the, that's the trick uh, when it comes to this temptation to despair. Um, it, it's almost like we think that uh, we have to be in church in order to be with God, um, when that is a beautiful way to be with him. And I, still to this day, when I do get a chance to walk into St. Stephen's, um, I find yeah. now I have a greater reverence for the Eucharist. And even when it is not in a monstrance, in adoration, when I walk into a church, I drop to both knees as though as though it is the adoration. I, I can't help the fact that I'm just happy yeah, to I be feel. in the same building, you know? Um, but, but that's not to say that he's not meeting me where I am Hmm. in this two bedroom apartment in Lake Oswego, you know, um, he's meeting me powerfully here. Um, I actually, okay, there, I have a story that hopefully will encourage your listeners, especially those who are tempted towards despair right now, and maybe even yourself. Um, I got a call last night from... A, I guess mm, okay. she would be a confirmandi because she's she's not a she's baptized, but she was planning on coming into the church. Um, a catechumen, maybe that be it. Yeah, I think so. Catechumen, there we go. I was like, although she's already baptized, word. so maybe that doesn't quite um, apply. But any, but let's go with it. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So she'd been yeah. going through RCA this year. Candidate. Maybe it's a candidate. Church, and um. <laughs> Candidate. There we go. Thank you. And it um, starts with a C. Like, There's a fancy term for it. She's not a neophyte. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so anyway, she calls me out of the blue. And she had been on my heart this whole last month. And I kept forgetting to email her. And so she calls me. And she's like, oh, so good to hear your voice. Yeah. And so I was like, how are you doing? How? I mean, everything's been derailed for you. What's up? And she said, well, when this first... When, when mass first was shut down, she said, I thought to myself, well, this is it. Um, I'm going to now be disillusioned and lose faith and wow. probably okay. get over this whole Catholic thing. Like, you know, she's resigned. The, she just pretty much yeah. was like, well, this is it. It's over. Yeah. She just assumed with, with no access to mass, she was no longer going mm. to have that same passion um, because she would mm. no longer be having that same experience. She had been. Um, but she felt this conviction from the Lord to start praying a rosary every day. Um, and so she did. And she said at the beginning of her experience, um, she, she doesn't have a huge Catholic community. Um, and she's uh, married and her husband isn't interested in becoming Catholic. Um, 
And so she's felt a little alone in her journey. And she said, uh, as she prayed the rosary every day, she found herself uh, growing closer to Mary and and also to the saints and finding a great community with them and finding friends she could talk to and relate to. And so she started learning more and more about the different saints. And she said after, you know, the last five or so weeks of quarantine that she's been, she lives out in Idaho, um, she has found that the opposite is true of what she thought. She is more on fire um, than she was at the beginning of quarantine. She is more resolved to become Catholic. She said, you know, I was still on the fence um, at the beginning of quarantine and I am she she told me I am 99% sure that this is happening like I mm-hmm. I want nothing more and so she's she's been able to work through a lot of the hangups that she had um all because everything wow. was stripped away and she it was just her and God and her and Mary and was like just yeah. processing through it all so I'm just praising God yeah, sorry go I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's okay. It, it really is. And I just thought, oh, it, it, she was telling me this last night. And I thought, that is, yeah. that is, that's it. Like, there's that, she, she perfectly embodies the temptation to despair. Mm. But then in obedience, uh, having that, this difficult yes. situation yes. redeemed. Yeah, beautiful. You know? Thanks for using that word, redeemed. Because that's exactly what we're seeing, and her story illustrates mm-hmm. it so perfectly. And and this is the mystery I think the Lord is inviting us as a church into during this time. Because as I've said again and again, and yes. you know, much holier and more insightful people than I have told me, it's no accident that this is happening during Lent and Easter and the Triduum. Mm-hmm. I mean, these this is the season when these yes. things are taking place. It's not an accident. Because this is the season in which we see the mystery of redemption. Because it, 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 it all happens in the life of Jesus. Everything is stripped away. And we see the disciples despairing. And they walk on the road to Emmaus. And they're thinking, what the heck happened? Okay, we put our trust in him. And now, what is there, le- what, what is there left for us to hope for? Everything is done. And then out of the midst mm-hmm. of what appears to be a situation in which there is no possibility of redemption, there's no possibility of recovery, what does the Lord bring about? He brings about new life, resurrection life, in a way that no one could have imagined. And, and the, you know, it was planned by God from all eternity, and the Lord promised it, and the disciples didn't get it. They didn't grasp it until they saw him in their midst, and they were able to see the shape of this new life before their very eyes. And so in this mystery, you know, in in these two things are inseparable. There's the stripping away. There's, you were talking about it as refining, which I love, that image of the refining fire. And that's Mm -hmm. always going to (laughs) hurt. Like you were mentioning, I mean, our routines are stripped away. I mean, it's just stripping. It's painful. Like, um, uh, I think it's Mm -hmm. St. Alphonsus de Liguori. He has those meditations on the Stations of the Cross. And when we get to the 10th station where Jesus' garments are stripped away, and he says, it's kind of graphically, like, because he was so bloodied, when they peeled away his garments, his strips of his skin came with it. It's just the agony of that for the body of Christ. Yes. The stripping is very painful. But then that reality of stripping is interpenetrated with the reality of resurrection. 
And so as there's the, the refining fire, as there's the stripping away, also invisibly and secretly, new life is coming about. And just that, that story about your friend is so great. I, I can't get over it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the mystery. That's what's going on. You know, and for the and for the whole, if we, if we just look at the entire yeah. church. That's what's going on. Cardinal Robert Seurat has been saying that we're going through a dark night of the soul as a church, even before all this started happening in the world. I mean, as a church, mm -hmm. we're going through all kinds of scandals, all kinds of uncertainty and, and doubt at the highest levels of the church. And he, Cardinal Seurat, published this book you've probably seen called "The yeah. Day Is Now Far Spent." Great. I haven't read it yet either. I, I have it. I just haven't read it yet. I'm I'm meaning to read it sometime probably <laughs> once the semester ends, but sometime during this quarantine. But you know, the day is now far spent. I mean, you know, the night is is here. <laughs> the night is here. And so, but but then you know, in the theology of John mm -hmm. of the Cross, the mystery of the dark night is this is where the Lord is closest to us. This is where, in secret, He's bringing about the work mm. that He couldn't do in daylight. He can't do this work in a way that mm. we would be attentive to it because we would interfere. So he has to kind of shut us down. St. Therese says, you know, he, he like a, a surgeon puts the patient to sleep with anesthesia before performing the necessary operations. God kind of has to shut us down so he can do a deeper, more profound kind of work that has to be done, the work of resurrection. Yes. It's funny that you say that. I, I was just talking to a friend today, um, and uh, he was saying that from his conversations, because I've just, mm. I've started, in the last two days, I've just started asking people, Great, yeah. uh, what does the church look like when the churches are closed? You know, what is your perspective on it? And he said that he feels like he's seeing a lot of mm. seeds coming to fruition. Um from his perspective, um, uh -huh. you know, priests are allowed altar servers right now for their private masses, and he's and he's been able to uh, serve uh, mass more than he's ever yeah, been able to, is. including uh, Latin masses. Nice. He served his first low Latin mass by himself uh, just a week or two ago, and he said, "There's also all these um, uh, young uh, young men and boys who are stepping up saying." we want to learn how to serve mass then. And so, and specifically this is happening at my parish where like Latin yeah. mass is the thing. <laughs> um, and so there's all these, these new, but even down in Cottage Grove, with Father Boyle, I mean, Latin mass. he's got the men in the parish stepping up, learning how to do it. Yes. Uh huh. Exactly. They're learning the Latin parts and they're stepping up. And so it, it's fascinating to see like you're saying, it's it's things that wouldn't right. have happened if we were right. going about our normal daily lives. It's painful and it's difficult. And I think that's what we've got to look beautiful. for anytime when we're in a situation of suffering, right? Because, and and you know, sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes what's required of us is kind of an attitude of um, indifference because we might not always see what are the fruits of the suffering in the moment. And we, ha and we have to kind of be at peace with that. Sometimes yes. those things aren't revealed till later. That can be hard. But I think it is important, especially in our prayer yes. and our discernment, to look for what are the fruits that I might be able to glimpse, even now are just starting to bud. Like out here at my mom's house on the back deck, there's this huge rose bush that's totally overgrown and looks terrible. <laughs> and last summer when I was home, I hacked it back <laughs> within an inch of its life. I mean, I cut this thing back 
And I got back mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and I I was so dismayed to see it. It it just grows up and it kind of takes over the whole back deck, you know. And so I was kind of discouraged. I was like, I got to get out there and cut that thing mm. back again. But I've been busy, so I haven't done it. Well, <laughs> yesterday I went out there, and on mm. the huge chaotic branches of this rose bush that are scrawny and sprawling all over the house and everything. Well, there are these tiny little buds of roses that are just like the size of your thumbnail and they're just tiny and they're not even really opening yet, but they're out there and you get up close to the bush and you can see there's just hundreds of these little tiny rosebuds all over the bush. And in another week or two, it's going to really be beautiful out there, even though the thing is just out of control, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, I I think, (laughs) yeah, you're taking... You're taking the the tack that we should take, which is um, to look for these the the fruits that are already beginning to show themselves from the suffering of this time, because we know by faith that all things work for good for those who love God. So if we love God and we're striving to do His will and remain united to Him, then this time is going to work for good for the church and for each one of us. Perhaps in ways that we don't even know yet, yes. but perhaps in ways that we can already see if we just open our eyes to look for it and look with the eyes of faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Easter is the season where, uh, you know, historically, uh, at least in America, yeah. we're used to hunting for Easter eggs. Um, and I just think uh, there's some some similarities Mm. so you're talking about the disciples on the road to emmaus Mm -hmm. and how christ was with them Mm. but hidden from them and how um i was think i was you know praying through holy week with mary magdalene and how as the first to see christ at least recorded um uh you know she saw him Mm. but also didn't see him uh she thought he was a gardener and uh, and how sometimes Christ truly can be right in front of us and yet hidden from us. Right. Much like me thinking, oh, I want to go see Jesus. And he's like, I'm right here with you through Sharon. Um, so uh, in this Easter season, um, instead of hunting for Easter eggs, you know, I, I think we're getting there. We need to be hunting for for where Christ is at in our life right now. Um, maybe who he's in, uh, or a situation that he's in. Um, yeah, something, something where he's wanting to meet us where we're at right now. Um, and reveal himself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Instead of hunting for Easter eggs, we'll hunt for the Lord. (laughs) And to paraphrase St. John of the Cross, he's got this great quote that I remember (laughs) all the time. It's it's something like this. He says, for anyone who loves the Lord, he must remember that, or no, no, not, not just loves, anyone who's seeking the Lord. This is why it's relevant. To anyone who's seeking the Lord, he must remember mm. the Lord has first been oh, seeking okay. him. Because to even have a, a, the Ooh. gift of a heart that desires God and that's seeking God, that's already a gift. Because to, to have the desire for God, mm. it only comes about because God has first been seeking you and me, you know, he, he the letter of St. John, the evangelist, mm-hmm. first letter of St. John says, we love because he hath first loved us, you know, and his love enkindles in our hearts our love for him. Yeah. And so if we're going to go out and seek Jesus in the events of our life, we should kind of take confidence from the fact that 
We know, again, by faith, but we, it's real knowledge. We know that he's seeking us. And, um, and sometimes he, he may yeah. hide himself, but he hides himself in order to be found. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. He, he yeah. joined the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh-huh. He came yeah. up to Mary Magdalene <laughs> in the garden. Beautiful. He was yeah. seeking them out. They just didn't it, it, see he him. seeks them out sometimes in a way that's mm, veiled that and it's hidden. Beautiful. You know, I mean, there's that mysterious word in Saint Luke about when he's walking mm-hmm. them on the road to Emmaus, and he he was hidden from their eyes, right, or something like that. He, he was um, so that they wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, but their hearts recognized him because their hearts were burning, and they talked about it later. Were not our hearts burning when we walked with them on the road? Right. So there's some mm-hmm. kind of a, a discrepancy there. Like maybe with yeah. the eyes, the conscious uh, mind, they don't quite recognize him. But the heart, which is which loves, knows its Lord when he's present. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you think there's a lesson in that yes. for us of how we should approach this time, the remaining time left to us in quarantine of, I don't know. I mean, how how do we do it? How do we seek him out? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Try like lifting up some rocks or I don't know, look under the floorboards. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for Jesus to say polo. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, the only mm. I, I don't I don't know that there is an answer to that because mm-hmm. it's probably different for every single person. I I think. I think it starts with talking to him, um, acknowledging that uh, yeah. you can you can speak with him wherever you are at, you know. Uh, so prayer, I think prayer is a good first step. Um, I okay, yes, prayer is a good what first step. You know what's a scary prayer to pray that the Lord, mm. I, at least in my life, has loved to answer. Mm. Um, Say God, more about give that. me your eyes. Um, so, uh, I've prayed this prayer, um, for a variety of different reasons through life. Sometimes it's, if I'm frustrated with a person, um, Lord, help me to see them with your eyes. And that usually doesn't, it, sometimes it happens quickly and other times it happens when I don't want it to. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's always really humbling and beautiful. Anyway, so, um, uh asking the lord um mm. to be able to see things the way he sees them uh it it changes your perspective um on situations on people um i've found that i am more empathetic when i have his eyes um i am more patient uh and i not just with others but with myself um because sometimes you just you you also need to see yourself the way the Lord sees you, um, which can be humbling as well. That does make sense. I was just does that make sense? Kind of chewing on it, but um, yeah, I really love that. I was mm-hmm. thinking about this quote from Saint Augustine. Have you ever heard this quote? Um, it comes from his sermons on the New Testament, and I'm just pulling it up here right now on this very helpful site, New Advent. So oh, this great. is on uh, the Gospel mm. of St. Matthew, chapter 20, verse 30. 
about the two blind men sitting by the wayside and crying out, Lord, have mercy on us, thou son of David. And this is what St. Augustine says. He says, our whole business then, brethren, in this life is to heal the eye of the heart, whereby God may be seen. That's our whole mm. business, all right? To this end are celebrated the holy mysteries. To this end is preached the word of God. To this end are the moral exhortations of the church. Those, that is, that relate to the correction of manners, to the amendment of carnal lusts, to the renouncing of the world, not in word only, but in a change of life. To this end is directed the whole aim of the divine and holy scriptures, that that inner man may be purged of that which hinders us from the sight of God. For as the eye, which is formed to see this temporal light, a light though heavenly, yet corporeal, and manifest not to men only, but even to the meanest animals, if anything be thrown or fall into it, whereby it is disordered, is shut out from this light. And though it encompass the eye with its presence, yet the eye turns itself away from and is absent from it. And through its disordered condition is not only rendered absent from the light which is present, but the light to see which it was formed is even painful to it. So the eye of the heart too, when it is disordered and wounded, turns away from the light of righteousness and dares not and cannot contemplate it. It's a bit of a long quote, but did you get the gist of it? Especially just that first line is so mm -hmm. powerful. The mm -hmm. whole business of our life is to heal the eyes of the heart, whereby we can see God rightly. And uh, I think that daring prayer, I mean, he says at the end of it, if, our, if the eyes of our heart, if we have a spiritual astigmatism, okay, and the eyes of our heart are disordered, we cannot contemplate the light yeah. of God. And we may not even dare to look upon him. So the good place to begin is with that bold prayer you mentioned. Yes. Lord, let me see with your eyes. Because really, what else is it to heal the eyes of the heart, but to see with mm -hmm. the eyes of God, to be able to see with his own vision. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and with his perspective comes wisdom, comes compassion, comes love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's related yeah. to the prayer that I was mentioning earlier that I've had to rely on a lot, which is, Lord, please love these people through me. You know, <laughs> come and be the love in mm -hmm. my love. Come and love through me as your instrument. Be united to me. Mm. Um, yeah. So much just depends on our, on the closeness of our union with God. And so... Prayer is the beginning place, and in a certain way, it's the whole of the battle. Yeah. It's our whole business. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm It really is. Uh, it's funny. I was, I was asking Sharon. Uh, she said something in passing just yesterday. She said, well, you know, this isn't the first time uh, we've had to go through seasons like this. And I said, well, you know, growing up, if you guys went through a season like this, how did you make it through? And uh, she said, <laughs> well, by being Catholic. <laughs> and I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, the traditions. We just continued to faithfully follow yep. the traditions and just be Catholic. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I think yeah. I get what you're saying. 
And I think even in some of these stories that that's kind of the, the golden thread that's tying a lot of them together. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, if you think about Holy Week, Absolutely. we were focusing on keeping the traditions alive. The rosary. If you think about, yep. you know, my friend in Idaho, she, the rosary, you know, these little traditions, um, you know, just, just in asking for God's eyes. Um, yep. It's obviously a tradition that goes back to even St. Augustine, you know? So these traditions of the church, they're not just ancient and something that the saints did. Uh, there's something that the saints are doing, you know, as we're called to be saints, we're, we're living out these traditions. And the Benedictines have a beautiful saying. I, I would get it quoted to me a lot by the monks at Mount Angel when I was a student there. And they, they say, if you, it's to, to the monks, you know, if you keep the rule, if you keep the rule, the rule will keep mm -hmm. you. That is to say, if, okay, mm. like during times of peace, I'm just going to interpret it this way <laughs> for our purposes. If during times of peace, you go for it, keep go for it. the traditions and you keep to the rule, you keep to your, your plan of God's love, like we were mentioning earlier, your rule of life, all right? And you follow it. And these traditions become yeah. a part of you and they shape you. Then during times of distress, they will carry you and they will be able to keep you stable. They'll keep you connected. They'll keep you on the path. And it sounds like that's what many of us are finding mm -hmm. to be the case. And maybe that goes back to what I mentioned way at the beginning about the, the, the wise and the foolish virgins <laughs> and those who have the oil to light their lamps versus those who have, oh, don't yeah. have it when the time comes and they miss the bridegroom, you know? We, we have such a gift as Catholics because mm -hmm. we've been formed by these traditions. Yes. And now, although our churches are closed, we can go on being the church because we know how to be the church. I mean, we know what it is to be Catholic. We keep praying the rosary. We, we, you know, we can't go to masses, but yeah. we're live streaming them. <laughs> and we're sure praying the liturgy of the hours if that's what we do. And, you know, and yep. we're going on. We're just going about our spiritual lives. And yeah. it's, it's different, but go ahead. And we're, we're, Amen. <laughs> we're singing along with the responses at mass like you are. Uh, when I when I watch uh, mass, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, usually yep, it's Latin, so whether it's yeah. high or low. I'm standing, I'm kneeling. Because we, I'm yeah, sitting. we know what to do. It would be strange. I'm doing if everything we didn't. as though I were there. Mm hmm. Yeah. It, it is, yes. Mm hmm. Uh, I will say that because uh, Sharon can't stand for very long, I sat during uh, oh, yeah, the yeah. entire uh, reading oh, yeah. on Good Friday, <laughs> which is a very long reading. And I actually <laughs> thought afterwards, well, that's the most comfortable I am ever going to be on Good Friday. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. every other Good Friday after mm -hmm. this, I'm probably going to be back in Mass, and I'm <laughs> going to be standing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, that's a little consolation for today. <laughs> but it's all Absolutely. about being yeah. gracious with yourself Which in the midst I of love, all this. I know? really appreciate that you mentioned this about seeing ourselves with God's eyes, too. And that's part of our, that has to be part of our prayer. Um I don't know about you, but a, a major temptation that I have a lot of the time, I guess you could call it a temptation, is to perfectionism, which amounts to having really a false view of oneself. And you're not oh, viewing yes. yourself with God's eyes. It, it's a, I think it can be a kind of a mm -hmm. spiritual pride of thinking, I have to be, I have to be someone greater than I yes. am. Now, there's kind of a truth to that in that we're striving for perfection. 
we're on the way of perfection, like St. Teresa says. But the trap is to think, I have to already be there. And we're not. We're viatores. We're wayfarers. We're, we're on the road, you know. It's true because we we think from our limited perspective, yeah. oh, we know point. what perfection yeah. in our lives looks like. Uh -huh. And we don't. Uh -huh. We yeah. I, I don't really know what perfection in my life looks like. I think I do. And so then I strive towards it. And oftentimes <laughs> the Lord says, that's nice. <laughs> uh -huh. But let me help you a little bit. <laughs> You're missing the mark. Um, mm -hmm. Which is ironic since I'm striving so much to be perfect. Um, I, I might be hitting my mark, yeah. but nice. I'm missing his mark. So, yes. The temptation yeah. to perfection is This has real. been a very fruitful conversation. I'm so glad we chose to go deep on this topic rather than spending our time on Shakespeare and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> that those aren't great, but this, this, is, this is really good. Yeah, I wouldn't have been <laughs> helpful at all. Yeah. <laughs> you would have been like Hamlet. I'd have been never like, That's read nice. it. Oh my I, gosh. I've never read it. I don't know anything about Hamlet. <laughs> I never I was homeschooled. Uh -huh. I, you know, I have an interesting life. I was homeschooled during those seasons and for some wow. reason my okay. teacher slash mom didn't huh. have me read any Shakespeare. So um I know. you're just fast forwarding through most of my, my podcast education. episodes then. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. No, no, you are educating me, my friend. There we go. Here's I that. feel like I'm back in junior high learning for the first time. Oh, I did. So it's been actually, it's been one of my favorite parts is like, oh, it's That's the so Shakespeare cool. time. I wonder Mo what play I'm going to learn about this time. Yeah, I know way more about That's Shakespeare awesome. That's because really of the last three months of life than You know, most I of these plays have. I've never read before either. So this is kind yeah. of a first for me too. Yeah. Hamlet, I've read a number of times, but most of these are brand new. So that's I'm great. Not... I... I only know them because people say, uh -huh. "Oh, that was made into a movie." Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Lisa, like, any oh, last okay. thoughts? I've seen we that movie. Probably start wrapping up. So, but I don't want to like leave anything on the table. If you have some other good uh, gifts yeah. to give to our listeners tonight, yeah. Let me think. <laughs> uh, I'm scrolling through my mental list of conversations that I've had. Um, no, I really think that's it. I mean, I kind of came into this with uh, all of these conversations that I've been mm -hmm. having and this, this contemplation that I've been doing um, and just really curious what your thoughts would be in hearing some of this stuff. Um, I think this is a difficult yes. time for all of us. And that's why I wanted to start off encouraging your listeners to be okay grieving and to be okay if you're not at a, a spiritually zealous place right now. Because um, it's understandable. Um, but uh, just to help give them some hope uh, or some tools to to avoid... If possible, and I think above um, all to remember tending towards despair. Like you, you put it so beautifully that the Lord is with us, and uh, although He may be hidden, He hides Himself so that we can find yeah. Him. Yeah, and that's part of the I don't know. It's part of the adventure of these days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because 
I mean, we, we want to be careful not to diminish the reality of the, you know, the crisis, um, the real tragedy of this time. But um, so I don't intend that, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's a diminishment to refer to it in some way as an adventure. I mean, I just finished reading The Lord of the Rings, like I was telling you. Let me tell you, that's an adventure and it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a tragedy in the classical sense. <laughs> Well, and isn't it exactly, yeah, I mean, yeah. we are, we are living what, what Samwise mm. talks about yeah. when he talks about the stories that they'll pass go. on to their kids and, oh, tell me the one about Frodo. Uh -huh. No, no, Sam, T talk about Samwise, you know, like that whole banter between Samwise and Frodo. I just love it. And I, me and too. I think often about that when I'm going through a difficult situation, yeah. um, who's going to read my story someday? And uh, if if I was reading my story, how would I want? And then to, to think, just to tie back into what you were saying time. earlier, what story is God aiming to tell? Because um, I don't know who exactly this originally comes from. I know it through yes. von Balthasar, who's a 20th century theologian, another one of those German von, <laughs> another von. <laughs> I was about to say another von. But, um, he has he has this concept. I think he calls it the theodrama about um the life of man is analogous mm. to an actor uh in a play which is not of his own devising god's the playwright this ties in nicely with shakespeare too right god's the playwright the actor mm -hmm. has a lot of freedom in what he's going to do in a play i mean you can improvise you can choose to follow your lines or not and you can choose how you're going to interpret your part you know and wh whether you're going to play it according to the uh director's um, instructions, or you're going to kind of add, put your own spin on things. I presume I'm not an actor, but I mean, I'm just presuming here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I don't know. Yes. Maybe there's something mm -hmm. fruitful in that. As we think about this time, just think like, what's the story God's telling um, about the church and then about me? And how am I going to play my part? Yes. What part am I playing in this? There's this. Uh, so you quote theologians <laughs> and Shakespeare, and I quote movies. Um, <laughs> so there's this uh -huh. um, sort sort of Christmas movie called The Holiday, um, and I there's this beautiful scene where Kate Winslet um, is sitting down with this elderly old man, and she's just sort of relaying mm -hmm. her her sob story to him, her her love life sob story. And, uh, and up until this point, he has just been, you know, enjoying a lovely evening with her. And, and now he's getting to know her on a deeper level and what she's been struggling with mm. in her love life. And he says, you know, what's wrong with you? Uh, and he, he has a Hollywood background. So he thinks in, in movies and plays and scripts, he says, uh, huh. you're a leading lady, but you're acting like the best friend. And I, that line, when I watched that movie, I just thought, oh, Yeah. How many times, you know, am I the best mm. friend in a movie script when I could be the leading lady? Um, and so oftentimes I think we forget that uh, that the Lord is writing a narrative. And yeah. uh, and we are. I, I mean, I love that. We are I know, the actors. Right? <laughs> um, those Vons, man, they're smart. There we go. Oh, it even sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to start calling myself Von Hesmahalch. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, 
it's also ridiculously more complicated than it already is. But <laughs> um, but yeah. we really none are. Of has like, a bit we part. are. None we of are us the is players. just the best friend. Um, not that that's a bad thing to do, but God is infinite. I mean, exactly. In, in, in each one of us is His beloved, and I don't know. Not to be sentimental about it in a negative sense, but. I mean, in a certain way, I mean, to conceive of the infinity of God, if he's writing, if he's writing an infinite play, each one of us is a leading player. Each one of us is a leading actor. He, 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 you know, none of us is intended to just be a, yes. I don't know, what do you call those guys who are just like in the background of a shot? Uh, oh, really? <laughs> like, uh, like, oh. I've been a lot you of them. Call that. It's escaping me too. <laughs> yeah. I suddenly like, can't remember. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, just the background people. I mean But um I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 made for greatness. We're made for greatness. And in these times above all, you know. And yeah. just to circle back to that quote from Mother Teresa, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. God's making it possible, you know. Mm -hmm. Amen. And if you don't know how... Lisa, thank me. you so much. This has been really a fruitful conversation okay. and very enjoyable for me. <laughs> Would you like to uh, conclude? Very. Maybe you could lead us in prayer and then uh, I'll add some intentions at the end. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great unless you sure. maybe Just have a prayer from a saint or something you want to use. This will be great then. You no, you pray in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully I'll let him do all the talking. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Uh, Lord, not just between two friends, but mm. uh, this beautiful conversation we get to have, thanks to technology, with uh, everyone listening. Lord, I just ask that you would be uh, revealing yourself to all of us uh, where you have us. Lord, you know each of our intimate situations. Uh, and I pray that you would be very close to each of us in each of those. Um, Lord, that we would be able to see with your eyes, that we would be able to see you, and that uh, even though the doors of the church are closed, we would have uh, a new passion about what it means to be the church right now, uh, to be your church, and uh, that you would pour your graces out upon us during this time in fresh and brand new ways. Um, Lord, that you would do that work behind the scenes, uh, that work in the dark uh, during this dark night of the soul that, that we as the church are experiencing. Lord, help us to remember that Though separate, we are still united together in you uh, and help us to continue to move forward in our faith uh, and not towards despair. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, all of you who are listening. May Almighty God bless mm -hmm. us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. <laughs>